Hey everybody, it's Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. Hey, while you're on your phone, why don't you go ahead and follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram. And you can download the Fern Creek Christian Church app on your phone today. We hope this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus, to be a disciple that makes more disciples. So without further ado, here's the message. So let's dig into today. One of the things that I've noticed about us as human beings is that we have this uh, uh, intrigue with weather, right? I mean, we, we talk about it, how hot it is, how cold it is, how much rain we're getting. We, we, uh, we study it. We've got satellites. There's a whole channel on TV dedicated to weather, the Weather Channel. You got an app on your phone and you can know what the weather is going to do at any moment. We, we make movies about the weather, like Twister, right? The Perfect Storm, Ice Age. Man, we, we, weather takes up a big part of our time. The other thing about weather, though, is that we experience it. I don't know if you've ever had an epic experience with mother nature, like a life changing, like like the worst storm I've ever been through in my entire life is when I, when we moved our family from Ohio here to Louisville, um, when we packed up our stuff, the girls headed out in front of me in their, in their cars and I'm driving a 22 foot U-Haul, never driven anything that big in my entire life. And as we set out from Springfield, it started to sprinkle. We hit Dayton and night engulfed us, right? And, and, and then the rain started falling harder. When I got to the loop around Cincinnati, I mean, it was pouring down rain. When I pull into downtown Cincinnati, I'm talking like Noah and the ark rain, deluge, the wind and the rain, like the wind was blowing so hard. It was raining so hard, literally, I'm not making this up. Literally, I couldn't see either lane beside me, right? I couldn't see two feet in front of me. I'm freaking out. Um, At about that time, when I got a death grip on the wheel, a bolt of lightning lit up the sky. And it was only then I realized I'm on the bridge over the Ohio River. Like I had no idea where I was at. I'm on the bridge and the truck is doing one of these. Like the wind, and, and, and so like, I'm like, I know it's gonna happen. I'm gonna plunge over the bridge in a 22 foot U-Haul. I'm gonna die, they'll never find my body. Uh, my family will go on and live life without me with a few boxes of towels and some clothes, right? But I'm freaking out. And about that time, out of the blue, when I'm on the bridge, my phone, my phone, out of no, I mean like, I have no idea. It just starts going, bump, bump, bump. Which is all code for you're about to die. I know what's going to happen, right? So literally, I've never done this in my life while I was driving. I gripped the wheel and I yelled out loud, Jesus, I'm going to die. I'm going to die in the Ohio River in a U-Haul. And I'm like, give me one more chance. Save me from this bridge I'm on. Jesus, take the wheel. I apologize for two things. One, for singing. That was horrible, horrible. And I didn't really say that last part. I didn't say that part because, excuse me, Carrie Underwood, I'm not letting go. Mm -mm. 
If I'm dying in the Ohio River, I'm going kicking and screaming, Jack. I mean, I'm, I'm like, if that's the way I'm going out, they're going to know in heaven that I'm coming. I'm walking through the pearly gates with the steering wheel in my hand. That's what's going to happen with me, right? I mean, it was literally, I'm not kidding. Like, I was literally the worst. I was the most scared I've ever been in my life in that storm. You and I were born into a broken world. World's broke. And part of that brokenness is that we experience nature that, that runs amok. Last week, we talked about the brokenness of the world, sickness, illness, disease. This week, man, it's all about nature running amok, right? I mean, we've got uh, hurricanes, tornadoes, tsunamis, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions. Take a look at the world. You got droughts, hailstorms, mudslides, flooding, wildfires. As advanced as we've become, as much as we've been able to do, we can't control the weather. We, we can't impact. I mean, I know we can, you know, aerosols and all that kind of junk, but, but I'm just saying we, we can't control it. We, we have no power, no authority over it. And into this world stepped Jesus. Now, Jesus did not come. His earthly ministry had n nothing to do about, you know, taming Mother Nature. But, but he did come to show us even nature bows before him. The wind and the waves bow before him. The skies bow before him. And with that in mind, I want you to open up and buckle up to Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Now, before we do this passage, I want to give you a warning. The passage we're about to study, in my mind, is probably one of the misinterpreted passages of all the Bible. This is one of the passages that can do the most damage to your walk with Jesus. So, so I want to be real serious about where we're going. I, I want to be able to take a look at what does this really teach? Because a lot of people use it to teach something that Jesus never wanted it to teach in the first place. So, so let's respect the text. Let's really try to find what are, we, what are we really learning in this text and let's not misapply it. So let's open it up. Matthew chapter eight. Let's read it again. Read it a little more slowly. Verse 23, then Jesus got into the boat, started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, like out of nowhere, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. Suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And when you read the text, you go, whoa, what an amazing experience what an amazing event Craig how in the world is this a dangerous passage how in the world is this one of the most misapplied texts in all of the Bible well let me explain most of the times that I've ever heard this text preached it goes something like this Jesus quieted the storm with the disciples 
Jesus calmed the wind and the waves in their life. And if he did that back then, then what this means is that Jesus will calm every storm in my life. He will quiet all the darkness. He will quiet all the waves in my life. And that's what this means. Grace, peace, see you next week, right? That Jesus calms the storms in our life so there's nothing to worry about. Do you see the problem with that? You see the danger in that. Just turn to your neighbor. What is the problem? What is the danger if that's your interpretation? Just tell them real quick. What's the, what's the problem with that? Here's the problem. What happens when your storm's not quieted? What happens when your storm's not dispersed? What happens when you pray for healing and it never comes? What happens when you pray for God to restore your marriage and it ends in divorce? What happens when you pray for your child who's caught in addiction and they lose their life to it? Do you understand if you take the text and you say that this is about Jesus quieting the storms of your life, how dangerous that can be when your storm doesn't lift? And then people, people try to explain it, but they make it worse because there are some Christian people who say the stupidest things. They say stuff like, well, you just didn't have enough faith. Oh, well, you know, God, God did that because you did something wrong in your life. Oh, oh, God, God did that to teach you. A, do you see how it gets even worse? So maybe, maybe... This is, maybe this is not the correct way to apply the text. It, it's not the correct way to apply the text. Maybe I'm not at the center of the story. Yeah, I'm not at the center of the story. Maybe, maybe there's a better way. Yeah, yeah, there's a better way. So, so, so again, please don't hear what I'm not saying. <laughs> I, I'm not saying God can't quiet your storm. Oh, he, he can. I, I'm not saying that God is not with you in troubled times. No, he is. I'm not saying that he doesn't have the ability to quiet the dark night of your soul. Yes, he can. What I'm saying is the text is so much deeper than that. What I'm saying is this text is not about me. It's about Jesus. That's the heart of the text. Who is he? So let's dive into it. Open up, power up. Look at your text. Look at Matthew chapter 8. Let's dig into it. Jesus got in the boat, started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake, waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, if you ever come with me to the Holy Land, we'll get out on this body of water. Let me show it to you. Uh, the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee. It's more like a lake 13 miles long seven, seven and a half miles wide. So it's, it's more of a lake than a, than a sea. It's actually the lowest freshwater body on the planet. It sits 700 feet below sea level. So it's in this bowl. Remember that. The region's tallest mountain, Mount Hermon, sits at 9,300 feet, about 30 miles away, 30 miles north. Uh, sometimes when we're in the Holy Land, we can look up on top of Mount Hermon and see snow. They, they snow ski 
on top of that mountain. So on rare occasions, what can happen in this region is the cold winds from Mount Hermon can whip down off of that mountain, funnel down into that lake, 700 feet below sea level, and you know what happens when cold air hits hot air, warm air, they mingle and the fury of nature can be unleashed. In 1992, one of these storms hit the Sea of Galilee, hit the lake. They recorded waves 10 feet tall in 1992. So can you imagine you're in a little tiny little boat of the first century and this kind of storm hits you. And to make matters worse, Mark, so we're in Matthew, but Mark's account, Mark says this happened at night. Now, now can you imagine, it's one thing to battle a raging storm in the day when you can see, but can you imagine this hitting you at night when you can't see a thing? The word Matthew uses to describe the storm that goes on, listen to the word he uses. It's a Greek word, seismos, seismos. Do you, do you hear an English word in there? Seismic. This is the word we use for seismic. Matthew says it was such a violent storm, the lake shook. And this is serious. This is why these seasoned, mature fishermen, sailors thought they were going to die because they had never seen, never experienced a storm of this magnitude. They're convinced they're going to die, so watch what happens. Verse 26, they got up, you know, they woke Jesus up, and then, you know, he, which, he's asleep. <laughs> that that kind of cracks me up. How is everybody freaking out, and yet Jesus is asleep? It speaks to his nature. He's exhausted. Do, do you know anybody who could sleep through a hurricane? <laughs> Jesus is so worn out, man. He is just out. And so they wake him up. And then again, watch what happens. Verse 26b, he got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. Bam. One word. Hush. Everything. Now, now you, you realize you're, you're reading a double miracle? This is a double miracle. Two miracles in one. The first miracle is, and the wind stops Immediately, doesn't take 10 minutes, five minutes, two minutes. Immediately, the wind stops. Miracle number one. Now think about it. There's a second miracle. Even if the wind stops, you still have the what? Waves. And it's going to take the waves a while to calm down. No. He speaks to the wind and the waves, and they both, whoosh, double miracle. They both knock it off. Now, now th th this shows the great power of Jesus, Even the waves and the wind know his name, that nature bows before him. So it shows his great power, but Matthew is, is more interested in not just telling you about his power. He's again, the whole book is about who is Jesus? Who is this guy? Not only has he got the power, this is identification. He is showing you and I, he, he, Matthew's in the boat. Matthew was in the boat when this took place. Matthew is trying to, to show you who he is. Because in the first century Jewish mind, only one person could control the weather. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Look at Psalm 89, look at verse 8. This is the Old Testament, thousands of years before Jesus ever comes on the scene. O Lord God Almighty, who is like you. God, God who is like you, 
You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea when its waves mount up. You steal them. God, you're, you're the only one who can tell the waves what to do. How about Psalm 135, 7? God, he casts uh, the clouds to rise over the whole earth. He causes the lightning. He sends the rain. He releases the wind. God, God only you may control the wind. Listen, when every Jew would have heard this story about Jesus and the disciples on the water, every Jew would have immediately gone back to their scriptures, their Old Testament, and they would have immediately thought of Psalm 107. Listen to Psalm 107 that talks about how sailors go out onto the sea. Others went out on the sea to ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he, God, spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down into the depths in their peril. So this, this is sailors who are going up and going down as the storm rages. Their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunk men. Why? Because, man, the sea is, is churning, right? They were near their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress. He, watch this, stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were, shh. Do you understand? The Old Testament taught that God controls the weather. God tells the wind what to do. God tells the waves to knock it off. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing. Jesus doesn't stand up and pray, oh God, please tell the wind to be quiet. No, he doesn't, he doesn't pray, he doesn't ask. He says, knock it off and shh. Jesus is doing something only God can do. So Jesus must be God. That, that friends, that is what this whole thing is teaching us. Who is Jesus? He is God. He's only doing what God can do. Last week, only God could cure leprosy. Jesus cures leprosy. This week, only God can control the weather. Jesus controls the weather. This, has, this is the explanation. Listen to what we read. The disciples, the men were amazed and said, what kind of man is this? Who is this guy in the boat? Even the winds and waves obey him. Now, now the disciples have seen him do a lot. They were there when he turned water into wine. They were there when he cured a leper. But this... Oh, this is in a whole nother league, whole nother level. Who is this guy? It's God. The calming of the storm is all about Jesus. He has authority over nature. He can do what only God can do. And, and that's what's missing with Jesus today. And the world, by and large, the world has a very good opinion of Jesus. I mean, most people are like, yeah, Jesus, he's a nice, well, they, they have a very good uh, uh, feeling of their opinion of him, right? I, I mean, take a look around at the world today and you, who is Jesus? Oh, he, he's this sweater vest wearing Mr. Rogers. Won't you be my neighbor? Howdy neighbor, right? He, he's a loving neighbor. Or, or, or Jesus is an advocate for refugees. He gets us. Watch the Super Bowl tonight. There'll be a couple commercials tonight on the Super Bowl. He gets us. He, he's an advocate. Oh, he's the modern-day Gandhi. Turn the other cheek. 
He's the champion for everyone. Love wins, love wins. Oh, we love Jesus. Well, friends, you can cheer him. You can applaud him. You can respect him and love him. But until you drop to your knees and worship him as God, you will never know him. So he, he, who, who is he? he? He is unlike anyone who's ever, he is God incarnate. This is what we read in the calming of the storm, the deity of Jesus. Now, there is another application. It's not he will quiet all the storms in your life. It's something different. So so again, the main thing is he is God. But there is a a secondary application that I think you and I can take. You and I can, can pull into our lives when every storm hits us. It's something that Jesus said to the disciples. So so, so don't walk away. Oh, he'll calm all the storms in my life. Walk away with this as the application. Look at what he says to them. He replied, you of little faith, why were you so afraid? That's the application. When when, when I read this this week and I sat in it, it it sounds to me like Jesus is a bit miffed. (laughs) Don't you, I don't see how, (laughs) why were you so afraid? (laughs) No, I think he's miffed. Right? I think when he says that, there's something inside of his spirit that's riled up. And so you go, well, what's he so mad at? Is he mad that he got woken up? <laughs> I was in a great sleep. What are you doing? Wake? No, he's not mad about them waking him up. Is he mad that they didn't give it a shot? Like that one of them didn't say, hey, Pete, let me. No, because only God can control the well. He's not mad that they didn't try to figure it out. Is he mad that they think they're going to die? I don't think so. Well, what's he mad at? Well, He's upset about what fear is doing to them. Not, not that they're going to die. It's doing something much worse than that. To find out what fear has done to them, because it does it to us, you got to flip to another gospel account. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about this. They talk about this event. They talk about it from different vantage points. You're in court, and you got three witnesses who say verbatim the exact same thing. You're going to go collusion. Each one of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when they talk about this, they're going to talk about it from a different angle. So Matthew gives his version. Mark's going to give his version. Mark gives us the secret at what's ticking Jesus off. Well, let, let's, let's look at Mark's account. And let me see if you can figure out what does, Mark, uh, what, what does Mark add that Matthew doesn't. Look at Mark's account. A furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Then he got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. It was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you afraid? You still have no faith. They were terrified to ask each other, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. There there, there it is from, from Mark's perspective. And Mark again tells us the difference. Oh, there was a cushion. Yeah, Matthew didn't talk about the cushion, but no, that's not. That, that's not what the difference is. The, the, the difference is they said to him, don't you care? That's what irked him. That's what fired Jesus up. It's really a rhetorical question. It's not like, don't you care? It's more like a statement. You don't care. We're in this thing. You're sleeping. We're going to die. And you don't even care that we're going to die. They aren't questioning his ability. Fear has made them question his character. 
And that I relate to. And maybe that's something that you can relate to as well. This is what we take into our storm. This is what, this is what we can say, yeah, that applies to me as well. Because when the sky turns black on you, when your life turns upside down, when some, something shakes you and you think you're going under, you and I can begin to doubt the character of God as well. God, you're not taking away the illness. Don't you love me? God, you're not healing my marriage. I thought you were good. God, I prayed for my child and they're not, they died. God, you, you must not care. You must not love. You must not be good. We question the character of God in the storms. That's what fear does to us. What, what does the Bible say about God's character? I know you feel but what does the Bible say? Well, look at Psalm 107.1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is, what's the next word? He's good. No matter what, he is good. His love endures forever. Or how about 1 Peter 5.7, cast all your anxiety on him because he, what's the next word? Cares. He cares for you. Romans 8, 38, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, nothing in the present, nothing in the future, there's no power, there's no height, there's no depth, nothing in creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, my Lord, my friends. The character of God is that he loves you, he sees you, he cares for you, he sings over you, he rejoices with you, he weeps with you, he is for you. Our God just isn't good. He's so good. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's so good. Tell him, he's so good. He's so good. Because he is. He, he's not just good. He's so good. God's not just good when you get the promotion. He's still so good even when they walk you out the door. He's not just good when your child calls to say, just want to tell you I love you. He is still so good when they've lost their way. God is not just good when they say your cancer is in remission. He is still so good when they say it's spread. His character is good. He is trustworthy. And he loves you with every fiber of his being. So no matter what storm hits, no matter how dark the night, no matter how big the wave, no matter how fast the wind hits you, don't allow your fear to diminish, to erode, to question, to doubt his character. Because man, he is good. He is so good. Don't let the storms of your life erode your vision, your pursuit of God. Man, he, he is with you and for you. In C.S. Lewis's epic story, The Chronicles of Narnia, you meet all kinds of cool characters. My, my favorite is this two-foot-tall, sword-wielding mouse named Reepicheep. And from his birth, there was a verse that they sang over him. It's a verse that, that is on his mind day and night as he travels through life. And here's the verse, where sky and water meet, where the waves grow sweet. Doubt not, reap a cheap, to find all you seek 
There it is in the utter east. He has no idea what that verse means, but his quest is to go to the utter east. He believes that Aslan, the main character in the Chronicles of Narnia, the symbol of Christ, Lewis wrote Aslan to be the symbol of Christ in your life and mine. He believes that in the utter east there lives Aslan. And after many great adventures, the crew has one quest left, and that is to awaken the three sleeping lords. And in order to do so, the Dawn Treader, the ship that they're on, has got to sail to the utter east, but stop. They've got to drop one person off in the water, leave them behind to die. That's the only way the three lords will wake. And everybody's like, no, no, we're not going to go. We're not going to leave someone behind. And Reaper Cheap steps up and he says, no, that's my destiny, the utter east. I will go to the utter east. And they all step forward trying to talk him out of it. No one knows. That's such an old wives. No one knows if that's what it means. No one knows what lies beyond the utter east. No, we're not going to drop you off. No, we're not going to abandon you in the water. And this is what he says. My own plans are made. While I can, I will sail east in the dawn treader. When she fails me, I will paddle east in my coracle. When she sinks, I will swim east with my four paws. And when I can swim no longer, if I've not reached Aslan's country or shot over the edge of the world in some vast cataract, I will sink with my nose to the sunrise. I wish... I could tell you, you'll never experience a storm. Wish I could tell you, you'd never have to say goodbye to a loved one. I wish I could tell you that they'd stay by your side. But man, you and I know living in this broken world means storms are just a part of this life. You're gonna go through them. You're gonna experience them. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And when they come, when the darkness surrounds you, when the water spills over the sides of your boat, when the wind rips your sails, when the boat begins to splinter in your fear, don't doubt his character. Don't let his character erode in your mind. Seeing him for who he is, Never forgetting his character, never forgetting his nature testifies, reminds me that even if he fails to calm the storm, he can calm me. He can still calm me. Who is this man in the boat? He is God. He is good. He is faithful. He loves you. He has saved you. He has forgiven you. And he has a home for you. So storm come, and if I sink, I will sink and paddle my coracle. And when she sinks, I will swim east, and when I can swim no more, I will sink with my nose to the east, for in the east I will see God, and I will be home. Let me pray. Hey, it's Matt Zola again. That was a powerful message we just heard. I pray that what we have learned today wouldn't just be stored in our minds, but would move into our hearts and help us to be conformed into the image of God's Son, Jesus. And I pray that that message helped you become a better follower of Jesus and taught you 
how to love, live, and lead like Jesus. If you want to talk with somebody about something you just heard or you want prayer for something going on in your life, there's somebody on staff who would love to connect with you. Why don't you email us at office at ferncreekcc.org and we want to put a name to your face. We want to know your story and we want to connect with you in person if we can. Again, that's office at ferncreekcc.org. You know, one of the things we value at Fern Creek Christian Church is being a part of community. If you've been listening to our sermons online or you've been watching our services on YouTube or Facebook, why don't you come visit us in person one Sunday? We would love to get to know who you are, and we believe that we grow better as followers of Jesus in community and not in isolation. You know, God gives us community as a gift. We have services every Sunday morning, 845, 10, and 1115, and we hope that you'll feel welcomed enough to be able to join us and worship with us in person. Thanks for tuning in today. Grace, peace, bless others this week.